everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 28 of 614 Check here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcasting Network. We have a fantastic show for you today and it has been an exciting round three of the Stanley Cup playoffs in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. Some shocks along the way with when we're releasing this podcast, a team tonight is on the brink of elimination, while another one, the Rangers, having a surprise series lead. We're going to get to breaking down both of the conference finals. We'll then get to the rapid headlines in College Corner as well. We'll also talk about the double IHF U18 Women's World Championships, which are also going to be taking place the day the podcast is released here on Monday. We're going to have now, excited to have a regular scheduled episode of course make sure you follow us on social media to get all the updates on when the podcasts are going to be released especially coming in to summer now uh, as the schedule will get a little funky due to my uh, schedule this summer but we're going to make sure we continue to give you guys the podcast content you deserve and continue talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs but without further ado let's get right into this week's focus talking about the Stanley Cup Playoffs, and the Conference Finals. Enjoy. Let's start breaking down the Western Conference Finals here on 614 Check. An exciting series for sure with a lot of goals. We did expect that with two of the best teams in offense in the National Hockey League and some of the goaltenders not being like an Igor Shosturkin or Andre Vasilevsky, like in the Eastern Conference Final. So, Game 1. Uh, I mean, this was just a wild game. 8-6 to six final score for the Avalanche at home. This was a really ridiculous game. I mean, just unbelievable. 47-37 to 37 in shots. So, here's the thing. It wasn't necessarily that the goaltenders were bad, per se. It was the excessive amount of shots. That means the defense for both teams were not doing as well. They were letting a lot of shots and opportunities. Six giveaways apiece. 13 takeaways for the Avs. 10 takeaways for the Oilers. So a lot of things were given up. And both teams were 50% on the power play in this game. Only two power plays for each. So a lot of it was the 5-on-5 play. But both teams weren't able to solve the neutral zone. There were odd man rushes back and forth. And, you know, the NHL on the app has a great thing called Game Flow, where it talks about the different momentums and the shots and the time they have on ice. Looking at it, it looks like a crazy machine right now with it going back and forth. It was back and forth chances. One of the most exciting games. It was really fun to watch. Sure, for the goaltenders, the coaches, not where it wanted to be. And at this point on TNT, even Wayne Gretzky said, I was the best offensive player of all time, but teams have to play defense. And because both teams were not doing that whatsoever uh, the first game, they weren't able to solve McDavid, and the Oilers weren't able to solve McKinnon and McCarr. Um, Moving into game two, the Avalanche, they really did a great job at tightening their defense. They shut out the Oilers for nothing. Darcy Kemper uh, in Game 1 was injured, unfortunately, for the Colorado Avalanche. So, Pavel Frantzos uh, came in for the Avalanche in Game 2 and mid in Game 1. But in Game 2, he got a shutout. And, of course, in Game 1 as well, because it was 8-6, uh, 
you had Koskinen for the Edmonton Oilers. He came in, but Mike Smith did start Game 2. And going into Game 2, the Avalanche were just completely the dominant team. They were the much better squad. Uh, looking at shots, now it was very lopsided. 40-24 to 24, uh, in favor of the Avalanche. So the Avalanche still had a lot of shots. And by looking at that stat, that tells you that the Edmonton Oilers, they did not solve the neutral zone, and they did not solve uh, their defensive issues from game one. They were still allowing it. It was just Mike Smith was really good in shutting down the team in this game. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, he led in four, but I mean, on 40 shots, that is something to definitely respect. And 24 shots for the Oilers, it's it's okay, but they, they have to keep going. And I think the Oilers... They were, we were talking about the Cal, the Calgary Flames, excuse me, in the last series in the Battle of Alberta versus the Oilers, where they could not solve Connor McDavid. I think the Colorado Avalanche did a great job, especially in this game, shutting down the neutral zone and not allowing Connor McDavid to get those odd man rushes and to get those different opportunities. Of course, Dreisaitl and McKinnon, Drysaddle and McDavid were broken up away from that Kane line, uh, but overall, the Avalanche were just the dominant team. Uh, they had seven power plays. You can't, you definitely can't put Colorado on the power play seven times. Um, so 16 penalty minutes for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, and then giveaways. Um, you know, just when it comes to it with the takeaway, 6-2 to two for the Avs. So the Avs were the more dominant offensive team. And you're talking about in a 4 nothing game, and you're going into the third period. The Oilers had only five shots in the third period. If you're trying to tie that game, I get you're down in a 3-0 hole or whatever. Or at the time in the third period, it was 3 nothing. You really still got to put some pressure on, right? And get it going. And... At that point, the Oilers, they just couldn't get the offense going. And But a lot of credit to the Avalanche. They were great defensively, clogging the neutral zone, like I said. Not letting the Oilers get on those odd man rushes, which they usually capitalize on. And for the Oilers, it was the same old in Game 1. Uh, just not tightening up defensively. And moving on to Game 3. Back in Edmonton, you were expecting a bigger story. Um, you know, in all honesty... I think the Oilers, it definitely was their best game, but still, looking at the shots, the Avalanche had 43 shots on goal. And, yeah, everyone's piping on Mike Smith and saying, oh, well, he's letting in all these goals. And I'll be honest, he let in one goal. Uh, I, I think it was that third goal that he let in on, I believe it was JT Comfer, um, or maybe it was the second goal on the Tushkin. He should have had that. He, he definitely should have had that one. But in every other opportunity, point-blank saves, back-to-back, -back, he was unbelievable in this game. And yeah, then people, he makes one bad, one bad play and lets one in, and everyone starts saying, oh, it's Mike Smith's fault. It definitely wasn't. Mike Smith, this game would have been maybe 8-0 or 8-2 if uh, Mike Smith wasn't in that game. He was the second star. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he led in that one, and it would have been a tie game uh, on that third goal. But in all honesty, Mike Smith, he, he was putting the team on his back in that game, and the Oilers just really didn't, you know, 
I think they, well, they did play a much better game, and you had to feel a little bit frustrated for them. Still defensively, not where they wanted to be. Offensively, they got 29 shots. They were much better, but they had two power plays, and they didn't do anything in that. And the big thing for the Avs, or the Oilers, in this case, at the beginning of the game, they had the momentum. Connor McDavid got the first goal, one nothing. The crowd's pumping. Everyone's going. But then, all of a sudden, Evander Kane takes a five-minute major penalty, and you put, in the first period, put the Avalanche on the power play for seven minutes, that five-minute major, and then the seven-minute, and then an extra two minutes for a total of seven. And while the Oilers uh, killed the penalties flawlessly, it's still not a lot of time to put your offensive guys on when they could have scored other goals. So they were shooting themselves in the foot in that position. Um, and it deflates from the crowd too. And I want to talk about that Evander Kane. So basically Evander Kane, Nazem Kadri is going to the boards and from behind Evander Kane does a dirty cross check to the back in that dangerous, vulnerable position where Kadri is and Kadri, uh, hitting hard into the boards, a really dirty play. Um, we've seen that a few times in the playoffs, uh, thus far, it's a very dangerous play. Uh, Kadri, he definitely did, did deserve that five-minute major. He has now been suspended for a game. Uh, so now when the Oilers losing, of course, they lost this game 4-2. Uh, they're now playing game four on Monday when the podcast is coming out. And I'm speaking to you now. Uh, so their walls are against the back, or their backs are against the wall, and they don't have one of their most offensive players in Evander Kane. And that is something... You know, Evander Kane has been playing well for the Oilers, but that's something you can't let happen. Um, now, that being said, well, I think it's a dirty play, and I do think he deserved that major and probably a game because Kadri is out for the remaining time of this series. The thing is, is there was a play on that Brandon Hagel did on the Florida Panthers, and we've seen this play a few times in the playoffs, and I believe that it was a dirty hit, five-minute major suspend, suspendable. But that play was not penalized a major or a suspendable game with any of the other players who did it. And I get Kane has a back, he has a record, but at the same time, the play's the play. And maybe they said, oh, because Kadri got hurt. But I don't think you punish, oh, because a player got hurt with a five-minute major. Suspensions is, is a different story. But when it comes to a five-minute major, if it's intent to injure... You give a five-minute major, and that's why Kadri or Evander Kane did deserve the five-minute major, but those so did Hagel and the other players. So I'm surprised um, just the consistency uh, here, but I definitely do believe that Kane did deserve that. Uh, and again, that just you know deflated the Avalanche a little bit, and I think they did play a much better game offensively, but still defensively they still allowed 43 shots on goal so in all three games they've allowed the avalanche to put on more than 40 shots on goal and that just can't happen and the oilers gave 15 giveaways you know that that's just not a great defensive game and you can you can put it on mike smith but at the end of the day the oilers have to get better offensively and they have to play a lot better defensively too. You're not making it easy on Mike Smith if you're letting the, the other team shoot 40-plus shots every single game. It's just not going to happen, 
right? And that's where I think people are missing it here is they're seeing the numbers and they see that one shot that Mike Smith let in, but he had a 90, uh, 0.929 save percentage, which is a very respectable save percentage. So, you know, I, I do think at this time, you know, going into the next game it, that's going on tonight, when it comes to, and that's going to be, by the way, 8 p.m., Eastern on TNT and, of course, Sportsnet CBC in Canada for our Canadian listeners. In all honesty, I, I do I think that the Oilers will probably force to a Game 5. Won't be surprised if they're swept. Um, but if they don't want to be swept, they have to come all lights out. They have to have a fast start, and they have to maintain that fast start. Get the crowd into it. They had that. that was, it was a perfect tale. Connor McDavid with less than a minute in, getting the crowd into it, getting it up one nothing, but then they took stupid penalties and they they shot themselves in the foot. And the Oilers they have to do the same thing. They have to get that fast goal, but then maintain it and play smart. Um, they're going to have to definitely tighten up things defensively. I am sure that what Coach Woodcroft for the Oilers is hemming this in their ears right now to play better in the neutral zone. They're letting. Colorado have those odd man rushes, breakaways, all those opportunities. You know, JT Comfort, that's how he got a goal. He came right out of the penalty box, got the goal. And, you know, that just can't happen. You can't have odd man rushes. You, you're leaving the goaltender and Mike Smith out to dry, and that's just not great. That's not how you win games. So the Oilers have to tighten things defensively. They have to try and solve their breakouts into their offensive zone. Like I said, the Avs doing a great job clogging up the neutral zone. They need a way to solve that. And then Mike Smith has to play his best game of the series, play like he did in Game 3, minus that one that he let in that he should have had. Um, but, you know, it is going to be difficult because they're not going to have a Vander Kane. Leon Dreisaitl in Game 3 got a little bit more hurt than he was. We already know he is probably uh, facing a lower body injury. It looks like it got a little worse. So whether you put him on the fourth line or third line, limit his minutes uh, and try and get some good matchups, you know, that that's unfortunate that he's getting injured, but they're going to have to battle past it. And right now it is possible they get swept. Uh, uh, well, I do think it's going to go to game five. I think it's possible because Evander Kane, one of their best offensive guys out uh, due to suspension. Leon Dreisaitl, not himself. He's injured. So two of their, uh, two of their top offensive guys you know, are out. So you're going to have to look at the depth right now. Yeah, of course you have Connor McDavid, but Zach Hyman, Pulari, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, they are going to have to have a big game because that's what we've been seeing with the Avalanche. You know, JT Comfort just having himself an unbelievable time. Nakushkin as well, he's been doing well in the playoffs. So you got to get the depth players to turn out well and we'll see if that's gonna happen uh i do want to talk another thing in this series on tnt man have they been doing a great job paul bissonette of spinning chicklets and on tnt got his head shaved only the middle live on air in the pregame show and then had it all done uh just the middle was gone Uh, so when he's doing the pregame shows and things like that he is looking really funny right now but I love how they're on site. I love their studio outside, getting the crowd's reaction. It's a really great time. I'm so, so amazed how well TNT's done this year. 
Uh, they've done a great job. I really hope ESPN is on site uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, or the Stanley Cup finals, excuse me. So I'm excited to see how it all turns out. Uh, but it's going to be a really interesting time. Maybe, uh, who knows, we could have the podcasters and they get swept the same day and then we'll have to break it down in a week from now. But we'll see. I think the Oilers, they're at home. They have their fans, but their fans have to put it all on the line and so do the team. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, a much different series. Um, Very much tighter defensively with better goaltenders. And let's talk about that series. So game one, yeah, I'm talking about a tighter series, but game one was a goals fest. Eight goals total, not the 14, the 13 that we've seen in the Western Conference Finals, but it was a 6-2 to two score for the Rangers over the Lightning. That's right, they scored six goals on Andre Vasilevsky. He was not looking like himself in this game. Uh, Zabinijed getting a power play goal, Panarin getting one, Heedle getting two, continuing his great playoffs. Vetrano, Kreider, respectively, for the New York Rangers. Shots-wise, 39-34 for the Lightning. So, Shosturkin was playing really well uh, for the New York Rangers. And just a great game overall. It was a fun one to watch. Uh, a big second period by the New York Rangers really helped them get going. They had 17-10 to 10 shot to shots in that second period. And then... A much bigger push by the Lightning, 17-9 to in the third period, but Shosturkin was able to hold on. Um, let's talk about Game 2. It was a much tighter affair. Rangers over the Lightning, 3-2 at Madison Square Garden. That was electric there, really fun to watch. Uh, a much tighter game. Capo uh, Caco, Country Miller getting the two goals in the first period for the Rangers. Kucherov getting the first goal of the game in, on the power play, and then Zabinijed and Nick Paul getting goals as well. Um, but Adam Fox, the number one star of that game, Vetrano doing well uh, too. But this is another game where the Lightning outshot the Rangers, 31-28. to But Shosturkin playing really well. And let's be honest, Andre Vasilevsky looking human, letting in a few that he probably would want back. He played a lot better in Game 3 where the Lightning won 3-2. This one looking bound for overtime, but with around 40 seconds left, the Lightning doing something they do best in in getting the game winner with less than a minute to go. That was Palat getting his sixth of the playoffs with a snapshot. Um, and this was a really fun game to watch, but this was domination by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They understood how big this game was to them. And because if you go down a 3-0 hole like the Oilers are right now, you got to win four straight. It's a tough mountain to climb. And they put their, their backs on the line. And they outshot the Rangers 51-30. to And most of the game, the, the Rangers were dominating. But 19-6 to shots-wise in the third period. So a giant push from them there. The Lightning also not having a lot of blocks. They only had nine compared to the Rangers' 18. I, I think the Rangers played a great game, but this has been, despite the goaltending and things, uh, Game 1, the Rangers dominated. Game 2, it's been a much tighter affair. In the Western Conference Finals, the Avalanche are just looking like the better team. They're the dominant team. They're dominating the Oilers on every level. Here, it's back and forth, especially in Game 3. Game 1, of course, was... 
Rangers dominating. But right now, you're going to have, oh, I love when games four are like this, when it's 2-1. You're either going up 3-1 in the series for the Rangers, or you're going to have a series tied 2-2, and then it becomes a best of three, uh, where the Rangers would have home ice advantage. So it, it's an exciting time. Definitely shocks on both sides. Uh, I didn't think that the Oilers would be possibly swept in Game 4, and I thought the Lightning would be leading this series, but I, I think especially in Games 1 or 2, the Rangers looked, they were coming off two Game 7s, right, in the first two rounds. The Rangers had 10 days off, or the Lightning had 10 days off. They were rusty. They didn't have that that juice and that flyness and that quickness. And it looks like the Lightning are back to themselves in Game 3 and able to shake off that rust. And I think they're going to be much more of a competitive team in the rest of the playoffs and in this series. So it's going to be really exciting. Obviously, if the Rangers go up 3-1 in the series, the series is theirs to lose at that point. Um, but if it's 2-2, it's a whole new series, and it'll be really close and fun one to watch. And if it goes to Game 7, then the Rangers are going to be the tired team there going three straight series of Game 7s. But that is going to be it when it comes to this week's focus and the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Next week, we are possibly going to know what happens to everything. Uh, when I talk to you next Sunday, uh, we possibly would already have all of our people know who's going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's, of course, if it doesn't end up going to a Game 7 for the Lightning and Rangers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, we're, of course, going to recap it all on next week's episode, on episode 29, break down the Stanley Cup Finals. This playoffs has been going down really quickly. Uh, but that's going to be it, talking about the Conference Finals. Hope you enjoy the rest of them. Of course, a reminder to everyone in the United States, if you're in Canada, it's on Sportsnet and CBC, both series. But ESPN and ESPN Plus have the Tampa Bay Lightning Rangers series in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that for this week, uh, it, of course, is going to be on Tuesday, Thursday, and then on Saturday. And then the Game 4, which is happening tonight, the Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers in the Western Conference Final. That series is on TNT. It will be Monday. If there is a Game 5, it will be on Wednesday. And, of course, Game 6, if that does happen, will be on Friday. All of it going to be on TNT. That's going to be it for this week's Focus. We'll move quickly now to the Rapid Headlines and College Corner. <laughs> Now getting into the rapid headlines in College Corner here on 614 Check. Not a lot to break down. Of course, the U.S. is hosting the Under-18 Women's National Tournament, or International Tournament per se, the IIHF Tournament. It's going to be in Madison, Wisconsin, June 6th through the 13th. Game's going to be on NHL Network and ESPN+. Plus. So I encourage you to watch those games, of course, for Ohio State women's hockey, uh, of course, this is going to be for Team USA, representing them is Sydney Morrow and Emma Peschel, and then in Team Canada, Jocelyn Amos and Jordan Baxter. So good luck to all of those athletes and everyone else on both sides, uh, and all the countries per se. Excited to see how it all 
turns out. We also know Megan Duggan has been promoted by the New Jersey Devils after one year with the team. She's now director of player development and will undergo oversee all organization plans, development staff, scheduling, and on and off ice evaluations for AHO players and team prospects. We also know for the U18 Women's Worlds, we know that Team USA John Roblowski is going to be the head coach. For St. Thomas, they got two transfers. Uh, they, of course, have Maria Cooper uh, and a good signing for them. And they, of course, are going to get Emma McCauley. That's not transfers. Those are new students coming in. We talked about Emma McCauley before, the daughter of Wes McCauley. So that's going to be fun to see her and the rest of the team come to Columbus to play the Buckeyes this coming season. We know Marie St. Louis has been named the 32nd head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. It will be a three-year contract for him. Blue Jackets signing for Juna Luto to a one-year two-way NHL-AHL contract. Luto led Tapra to Liga Championship and won the Yari Curie Award as top playoff performer in 2022. He previously played for the Jets. He's a good friend of Patrick Laine. And some reports, according to Brian Hedger, say that this says that this may be a spark in negotiations with Patrick Laine. 15 All Big Ten academic honorees for the women's hockey team. That's Brooke Bing, Madison Bizzle, Andrea Brandley, Riley Bregman, Jenna Buglioni, Jen Gardner, Sophie Jakes, Quinn Kuntz, Peyton Levis, Ramsey Parent, Gabby Rosenthal, Sarasakinen, Eve Savender, Liz Shepers, and Amanda Teeley. Congratulations to all of those athletes. We also don't know when Braden Point is going to play again, according to John Cooper. He doesn't know if it will happen during the playoffs. He doesn't expect him to play in the third round, but he will play in the future. Uh, we do know that the Stanley Cup playoffs are the most watched ever through two rounds on U.S. cable, averaging 2.91 million viewers for the second round. Oh, that's an additional 9% from last year's second round. Uh, it's the biggest audience growth across North America. It was the second most round two on cable behind 2014. Um, but overall, that's been great news watching everything go down. Anzi Kopitar winning the Marc Messier NHL Leadership Award. Uh, we also know that when it comes to other NHL awards, Daryl Sutter has won that Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year. We also know that the Arizona Coyotes have moved into next steps to negotiate Arena in Tempe, Arizona. They were approved by the Tempe city government to continue negotiations um went to gary bettman in this hearing he said that if the coyotes do get an arena the league will guarantee an nhl draft and all-star game he also says um that he endorses the arena in tempe and if approved they will sign a document stating that the coyotes will not relocate for 30 years so that is a big agreement there uh, we also know uh, when you want to talk about the IIHF U18 Worlds uh, that June 6th, USA plays Sweden, June 7th, Finland, June 9th, Canada. All three of those games can be on ESPN+. And then we'll air the following day on NHL Network at noon. We know that Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grieslick, 
and Mike Riley all be out for months undergoing surgeries uh, this past Friday. McAvoy could be out until December. McAvoy going left shoulder arthroscopic stabilization. Grizzly going right shoulder open stabilization. Uh, he's out for five months. McAvoy six. And Mike Riley uh, undergoing right ankle tendon repair and is approximately out for three months. Carey Price winning the Bill Master Memorial Trophy, perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to the game. Everything that he did this season definitely tosses him that award. Patrice Bergeron winning the 2022 Frank J. Selke Trophy, the fifth time ever uh, for him, which is a new record. And Selke Award, of course, going to the best defensive forward. So congratulations to him. He is a great Faceoff guy and great playing defensively, uh, so he definitely does deserve that. That is going to be it for the Rapid Headlines in College Corner here on 614 Check. Without further ado, let's get right into the outro. I hope you enjoyed episode 28 of 614 Check. You're on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And I cannot wait to continue watching the Stanley Cup playoffs and the conference finals. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the conference finals. And I can't wait to talk about previewing the Stanley Cup finals in hopefully next episode. With my schedule, things are going differently now that it is in the summer. So episodes will, of course, be at different times if it's not at this regular time. So make sure you follow us on social media to learn more about podcast scheduling, but also all the NHL news you need to know. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at 614check, 4check spelled F-O-R-E-C-H-E-C-K. If you want to follow Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio on Twitter, that's the handle at S-G-S-R underscore O-S-U. My name is Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on episode 29 of 614 Check. Enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup Conference Finals.